I'm kind of see Joe. How's it going? Ages. Uh, good. Yeah. Um, what have I missed? Over. Huh? What have I missed? What have you missed? Where have you been? Uh, out and about? Not on Twitter. You haven't been on Twitter? In and out, but uh, connection was poor, hmm. which was good. Because yeah. you're, you're down in the... Out, you were beyond civilization, were you? <clears throat> yeah, poor reception. Yeah. yeah. In the Gobi Desert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not much. I mean, Joe Biden is still the president of is. the United States. That's amazing. I'm amazed he's lasted this long, but yeah, he's still still making gaffes left, right, and center. Pretty much his his whole life is a as a gaff, you know. Um, his old presidential, his whole life is a bit of a gaff. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a joke. Um, and his son. His son, I did obviously see special protection. The, the, the plea deal fell through. Yeah, I saw that. Didn't get complete immunity, which was nice. Um, but that surprised me. I assumed that would be wrapped up at the first hurdle, quiet like, as quietly as they could make it go away. But the news yesterday is that the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, is appointing the prosecutor who was investigating him. In the failed plea deal, he's now a special counsel mm-hmm. with a similar kind of scope and remit that Trump had against him when he was president. So, right, I didn't expect that. Ah, I see. It yeah. can still be covered up nicely, nicely. You know, I don't expect this to have actual nothing like the ramifications maybe that Trump had. Yeah, um, given the favored political status of the Biden family, but still. Yeah, it means it means. This is just something you said actually a good while back that this is going to be hanging over Biden too in the run-up for this election. Right, it, I just by design or simply because there's just so much, so much smells out of the Democrats and the Biden family in particular that it, they have to do something. Some level of limited hangout has to be yeah has to be presented. You know, like, like Comey and Hillary's emails. Yeah. If he didn't say something at the time, then. So, there would have been whistleblowers coming up from below him right. or something like that. So it's an attempt to limit hangout, you know, slap on the wrist, did wrong, that's all there is to see, move on. But obviously... It still means it's hanging over him going into presidential Yeah, and there may here. be more, you know, there, it's a, there's maybe a title uh, or a dam waiting to burst there and they're trying to contain it, you know. Um, desperately trying to contain it and by drop dripping these bits and pieces and trying desperately trying to separate Hunter from his daddy, right? That they had nothing to do with yeah. each other and that kind of stuff. When Garland it, stressed that. When clearly there is, the two of them were business partners. And I mean, any, it's just so much gaslighting goes on these days, you know? Yeah. There's gaslighting going on all the time about everything, about big things in particular, you know, major things, things that, you know, are significant and important in, in people's lives. I mean, we had lots of gaslighting on, around COVID. Uh, obviously, we're being gaslighted on uh, on. Biden, the two Bidens, and you know, oh no, you know, I never had any business dealings. I don't do business dealings with my son. There's mountains of evidence that strongly suggest that you did, and it would be reasonable to think that you probably did. I mean, you're the vice president. He's just this dude. <clears throat> you know, look at it this way. Hunter Biden is on the board of an Ukrainian uh, energy company, Burisma, right? Among, among others. That's just one example. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a time when his father is vice president and has, and has a lot of a lot of direct deals with Ukraine and is talking directly to the Ukrainian government about all sorts of energy deals and, and, and different, uh, you know, American aid to Ukraine, etc., etc. The idea that, 
The idea that Hunter Biden, while his father's vice president, would be on a board of a Ukrainian energy company that if, that his father's effectively involved with as vice president, as in his remit as vice president. The idea that he, there wouldn't be any business uh, kind of like you know uh, crossover there is, uh, is ridiculous. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like that's what I mean by gaslighting people. There's enough evidence to suggest that, that to, to back up that, that idea. But even if there wasn't, you would assume it anyway. But you're being told no, none of it's true. Yeah. Here we're going to investigate the obvious. Yeah, you know. Yeah, right. Thanks. And then see if it's true or not. Yeah, cite your evidence. Yeah, I don't see any evidence. It's you know all over the place. Yeah, like, and there's like gaslighting obviously going on big time on global warming, and oh, as as Jesus, most people are aware, you know. So um, that's I, just three examples of massive gaslighting going on. And, I you know, I met people out there who arrived in this country expecting they they literally packed the bare minimum clothes because they've been told by their media before they arrived here that people were dying from the extreme heat mm. and they were shocked to discover they just arrived in the wrong it door. was barely 23 centigrade high 60s maybe 70 degrees Fahrenheit I was like what's going on you know they, they were so I just said oh you know fake news <laughs> it's yeah. everywhere yeah. They even gaslight you about the fucking weather. Yeah, well, we're not saying it's not hot or there hasn't, haven't been heat waves and that kind of stuff, but it's complicated. And that's the problem. They try and simplify it. Um, this, for example, is just like just talk, getting before we go on about Hunter. Um, uh, <laughs> it's got an interesting story alongside as well there. But anyway, White House cocaine may have belonged to someone in Biden family orbit. You know, whenever this came out, that it was a few weeks ago, uh, somebody found a, a bag of cocaine in the White House. And um, I just posted on Twitter, I just said, oh, look, you know, uh, Hunter was over to see Daddy that day. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's the really obvious. Obvious. The guy is the a, a cocaine yeah. addict, has been, probably still is. <clears throat> you find cocaine in the White House, he spends a lot of time, in, he spends time in the White House. His father's the president, was vice president. He's been there. Like, literally, he's been... In and know, out for 12, 12 years. 12 of the last 16 years, right? Hmm. <clears throat> Uh, so are we allowed to assume that it may be connected to Biden? Nobody said a word. Nope, how dare you say that? Not allowed to say that at the time, whatever. But then uh, this supposedly White House cocaine may have belonged to someone in Biden's family orbit, according to a report. Uh, Soldier of Fortune publisher Susan Katz Keating made the shocking, shocking claim, <laughs> citing three security sources in a report published Sunday, even texting a number linked to President Biden in a bid to sniff out the culprit. Sniff out, get it? Sniff oh, out the car. Right. The post is not, this is the New York Post. And the post has not been able to independently confirm the Soldier Fortune report, and the Secret Service has vehemently denied it. So there you go. It's been denied, but whatever. I mean, I mean, if, if, if my, if my take on reality is to be dependent or determined by, you know, what the media says and then, and, and make the claims made in the media and then counterclaims by other members of the media or other people who, other people, you know, speaking to the media. Um, yeah, I'm just going to be a mess. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to read reality based on, you know, to the extent I can, to the best, uh, based on what, you know, Occam's razor, what's the most plausible yeah, situation. Assign, based on what we assign know. probably <clears throat> Exactly. Yourself, yeah. So, uh, it's just a bit of a joke in that respect, you know, where you're meant to like, I don't know anything unless I, uh, until I check the, the mainstream news, you know, and then I still don't know anything. I'm just left with maybe, maybe not. Don't go fall into conspiracy theories. Don't do your own research. We don't know. It may never be known. So check back regularly to see if we ever find out if it's known or not. Yeah. But until then, just suspend 
you know, yeah. belief basically, and and you know, just don't don't think anything really. Don't don't draw any conclusions whatsoever. That's what the media wants you to do, really. You know, except on certain issues where they definitely want you to take a hard line on this. And there's no way you should think for yourself at all in that situation as well. Either believe hard when you see certain headlines, and then don't think for yourself. Or if you see other headlines that, and, and the difference between these two headlines are that one headline will be uh, will be a headline that supports the uh, um, the the global authorities take on what's happening in the world. Another headline will be uh, one that dis, kind of uh, disses that that take or, or contradicts that take. And the one that you know the global authorities take the headline that supports that you're meant to believe hard and not think about it anymore. The one that questions it. It's not maybe there's some validity to it. It's probably not true. Just don't think about it at all. That one, don't think about it at all. So it's it's really trying to tell people to stop thinking, except in terms of what you get, what 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 kind of hard yeah. hard data or hard statements you get from uh, from the mainstream media. That's 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 what should be in your brain all the time. Yeah. Just go with the flow. Go with our flow. There was a, an article in the sidebar. I don't know yeah, put that back up, Scotty. We've um, got the, I wanted to mention uh, that one. Is it a side topic or is it a whole It's other? not. It's also, yeah, it's... Um, the second yeah, one down, right? Yeah, Obama's letter to X. I make love to men daily, but in my imagination. So, there's always been something a bit queer about Obama, but... Um, the, well, he's the, happily, happily, happily married. A man. He's a happily married family man, though. Well, that is the image, isn't it? But then, you know, just because you're a happily married family man doesn't mean anything about your necessarily about your sexual orientation, especially in America. Uh, what was that movie called? Um, American, American Beauty. Beauty. American Beauty. Uh-huh. Watch that movie um, for a look at, behind the behind the curtains in suburban uh, American. A family life with uh, 2.4 children and the white picket fence and the dog. Um, so anyway, yeah, so there's no, you know, obviously that's a thing. And uh, yeah, Michelle Obama, there's been questions about Michelle Obama all along. Ask, ask some gay people about Michelle Obama. Um, obviously they'll say that she looks a bit manly. Their gaydar will Maybe, you know, it. although it's, it's, she's... I think she's a different category because she's obviously she's not just straight, she's not doesn't she's not openly gay or anything like that she's quite the opposite um but so it's not easy for anybody necessarily to read that one except the the anomalous you know bulges and swinging things below her dresses that have been accounted and Joan Rivers Joan Rivers started this it was an it was a quip to a TMZ which is an entertainment mm-hmm. you know sticks a mic in front of her and she didn't mean to start anything. I don't, she, she wasn't taking a partisan thing. You know, this wasn't like her coming at Obama with a his Attack. birth. His birth cert is an no, American. It wasn't comment. a part of it. She was a throwaway thing. Maybe she was coming back from a party or something. She looked kind of. <laughs> she, she didn't look like she. She just looked back at the guy and said, "What? Of course, everyone knows Michelle's a tranny." <laughs> I mean, what? And the guy was like, "Okay," and that was the end. But she, mind you. Since then, right, she died two months later. Mm-hmm. And then? Um, then the videos started coming out. Or maybe it was just real time. Maybe um, Michelle Obama was on Ellen 
Ellen DeGeneres talk Ooh. show, just dancing. And then a clip of that was picked up and people were like, hmm, you know. And then the rumor, rumor mill started. I, to be honest, I was just like, whatever. I'm not, this, this is, it reminded me of the birth cert thing. He's not a real U.S. national, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, this is a bit like we're having to stretch things here. Yeah. Because when you look at her, there, she obviously does have feminine features as well. And here, I, I thought about it logically. So, okay, you're not seriously suggesting she's a man. Or are you? Maybe, okay. And then they change it, especially in recent years. They've got a context in which to change that tack a bit. She was a man, so she was transgender. Even then, though, that doesn't make sense either because she has definitely there are some maybe, you know, she there's photos of her back. She's very well developed. Okay, fine. But she still, look at her face. It's still a very feminine feature and feminine graces about her. She still acts like a woman, sounds like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's. So you would have to think, okay, well, the story, the, the theory then is she's been subject to transitioning mm. hormone therapy and mm-hmm. the surgeries. That doesn't stack up either because they'd have to be so good and they'd have to have been done in the 1990s mm-hmm. when they were married in 91. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to fool people. Eventually, if you take Joan Rivers. Joan, quip, listen to her there. Okay. <clears throat> It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. You know, but so Every, I, everyone in her clique, yeah, in Washington and New York and Manhattan, in Hollywood, LA, they know that. Yeah, and it's been known for. But we're left down here to kind of like be called conspiracy theorists and, and be shut down and slammed as being racist or whatever it is because we talk about it. You know. Um, but she said, "Well, she said we already have it." The guy said, "Do we think we have a? We'll have the first. Uh, at some point the first gay president she said well, we already have it with Obama I so think she's, she's talking the president so that's why he was still president yeah or maybe yeah yeah she's saying we have it with Obama we have it she's so saying Obama's gay back in pre-2014 she makes or something like that or she did she say have or had whatever it's in sometime in the mid 20 teens yeah she makes that statement when Obama was president no no he was uh, he might have been gone by he, then he might have whatever gone. we already had it with Obama or have it with Obama yeah. basically the point is she's saying that Obama's gay and Michelle's a tranny. So there you go. And just, it's okay. It's okay. But it's not okay because it's not officially recognized or even close to officially recognized. Right. It's not, you're not allowed to that's, intimate it. That's another problem with it. If it was the case, given the normalization of it, I mean, there's kids in schools are all, they're so exposed to it being normal that 20% of 16 to 24 year olds in the United States today identify somewhere on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. So why the secrecy? Yeah. Okay, that's one problem with it. So she, yeah. So I think Michelle is probably she's not a tranny. She's more like a she's a hybrid. <clears throat> it's got to be something strange like that. It's rare, but hermaphrodite will have mm. both organs. Yeah. So Look, she still has an hourglass shape with a woman's hips, but she's got both things going on. But she's also got muscular. It's just a mix of, two, of both. That's why it's confusing. Like you yeah. said, it's, it's just a mix of. 
of, of hormonal development, like her development yeah. was basically, I mean, she may be the future of, of, of the human race. It may be uh, that's where we're all going, you know what Christ. I mean? Where we, we embody the, 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 the best qualities, let's say, or the, the qualities of, of both male and female, you know, where you, where you, like you said, she's got hips. She, I don't know if she can have children or not. I don't think she had any children. Those two kids are adopted. Anyway, she, um, <sighs> yeah, but, know. but, you know, she has some female characteristics, but she's also strong like a man, strong like a bear. She can probably beat, uh, uh, Obama in, um, in an arm wrestle. So, or at least give him a good run for his money. <laughs> and he likes that because he's gay and he, well, he, well he's clear, he's, he would be bi. Yeah, he, he but he would be the submissive in the relationship in that sense. You know what I mean? That's why he was attracted to her because she's probably she's probably heavier than him and probably stronger than him. If you look at her musculature, so uh, he it's a kind of like a gay relationship, and of course it's confusing for Michelle because she's basically one or other, both or neither, and she's chosen to be a woman type thing. But she obviously will have male characteristics as well. So she would no problem being the dominant one in the relationship and and being submissive to Obama. I mean, if you. I mean, it gets complicated, but the best way to sum it up, really, is is in a picture, right? And uh, I think this one sums it up pretty well. Okay, that's the end of the story. That's all you need to know. <coughs> okay, before we move on, someone might ask, why even talk about something just just salacious and stupid? Well. Remember, it was in the news this week. That letter isn't actually new news. It was first um, brought up by Obama's biographer, David Garrow. And he talked about it in a lengthy interview with the Tablet magazine, published in April this year. I think that's when the first, it first surfaced. I don't know why the New York Post is only making a, a viral story out of it this week, but whatever. And indeed, the letter is legit and it's Obama's writing and that's what he said when he was 21 so who cares right the thing is Garrell's biography of Obama is a lot more than just any titillating stuff it is a really deeper look at the books Obama wrote the claims he made they, he went Garrell went back and interviewed like this ex-girlfriend and people who really knew him well and the guy began, David Garrow, as a East Coast liberal, definitely on the Obama camp, and he ended up going, there is something really wrong with this person's psychology. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that, that's echoed by a comment there in the, in the comment section. Uh, John Barnes on acid. I hope you're not on acid right now, John, because it's a pretty good comment. He, maybe you should take more. <laughs> he says, uh, he's not gay or bi in the traditional sense. He's just a psychopath. They will have sex with anything with a pulse or, or without even. So, uh, yeah, that, that, I think that's more the most important point because we shouldn't lump this into – we shouldn't put this in, in the context of – like we kind of suggesting there in the context of today, transsexuals, all that kind of stuff, gay rights. Mm. It's all out in the open. It's no problem. Why isn't Obama openly – Kind of gay in some no, way, or maybe bi, or whatever. And why is well, Michelle not accepted as, a, as, a, as some kind of transsexual or in, uh -huh. in whatever way, natural or, or made or whatever? Why isn't that open? Well, it's well, because the answer is because the population would not have accepted it. Uh, he would not have been elected. Right. right. They know it, we know it, everyone right. knows it, even though we all pretend it's right. all normal now. Because a significant percentage of the population still sees that kind of thing as, as deviant behavior, right? Particularly yeah. the conservatives, right? Or, or conservative leaning people who nevertheless might vote. Democrat now and again, whatever. It just wouldn't go down well, so you have to keep it, keep it under, under wraps. Um, but so the, the psychopath angle is important as well, because I think 
that's the point is that most of these people in positions of power are in some way psychologically deranged in the sense of they're, they're clinically uh, they're, they're antisocial or, or, or psychopathic in, in some way they're, they're not right in the head although they're very charismatic and can put up a good front yeah <clears throat> so it's important not to lump them in with the average rank and file member of the of the community including gay people or or, or transgender people whatever that um, yeah that these people are you know, given given <clears throat> given what they well, I don't know. It's complicated. Anyway, the point being, uh, Obama himself, based on his like you said, his biography and, and the information that's known about him, he is he, a, a, a he, deranged individual. His biography said that he's he's adept at crafting an, an image. Right. You know, all politicians will be. They produce a book yeah. just before they run and stuff like that. He produced several, mm-hmm. um, but. What shocked Garrow, who was definitely, like I said, in favor of Obama, he was an Obamaite, mm-hmm. was that it was all lies. Mm. Was, I mean, the seeds <laughs> of truth were like so weak as to not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would even lie about the small things. Like <clears throat> the reason for the breakup with that girlfriend in his 20s was totally different. In his telling of the story, it's because they had a, a falling out. They went to an art exhibit at a museum and he t- she took a very liberal white stance and he took a particular pro-black <clears throat> stance and stuff like that. He was projecting the image of um, forward thinking into what would become intersectionality today where the white, as much as they're on your side, ostensibly mm-hmm. as fellow liberals, they don't see the unconscious biases and racism that exist, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. What actually happened was the reverse. He, he, he was actually defending... <clears throat> a really rabidly anti-Semitic black pastor, I think, who made some crazy comments at the time about, um, well, maybe not so crazy. I don't know. There was something about something that uh, the, the flooding of Chicago with drugs, mm-hmm. I think, and Obama saw it. He was arguing that it was a conspiracy by the mafia or something like that, right. by Jews in powerful places in Chicago at the time. Anyway, he he completely distorted even the small details of his biography. Mm-hmm. All the way, his whole life has been like that, shaping an image, mm-hmm. and it worked. It worked so well. And the, the only and then the only other reason to comment on this is that how odd is it that he has a very unusual relationship, and he becomes president in two thousand and eight, and he slides in there under the radar of hope and change. And the end, basically heralding the end of racism. Mm-hmm. White America voted for a black president. Mm-hmm. You know, the image with, of, what, of what people thought was happening at the time versus the particular psychology. Not forget his characteristics. I'm talking about him, the person. It's, it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. It would take another 10 years before the population would realize what had happened to it mm-hmm. with the whole push for LGBTQ plus and, and I'm not saying Obama necessarily pushed that um, but even his author, his biographer David Garrow is like like I said, this is the last person you would put in a, an, in a partisan conspiracy theorist far right position, okay mm-hmm. the guy makes the detailed case that Obama through Biden, in fact not only that Obama broke a convention. There is a convention in the United States that when you leave office, 
you, you are expected to physically leave Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. It's part of the way the U.S. is arranged. There's 50 states and then the District of Columbia. When you're not in power, you're supposed to leave, physically leave the geographic territory of D.C. They didn't. They bought a house. They stayed influential. And, and Garrow gives particular examples of his influence pulling strings. For example, with, um, is it James Brennan? I forget his first name, Brennan, then CIA director, mm-hmm. about to be booted by Trump, but just before they made sure they sicked Hillary Clinton's crazy conspiracy theory about Russiagate and Trump being a Russian agent onto the FBI, uh, the transfer of that via uh, Suzanne, Suzanne Rice, and the, the one telling her to do that was the outgoing President Obama mm-hmm. to get the CIA and FBI on Trump and at his heels. And that he would exp- he expressly said he would remain... Uh, mm-hmm. in D.C., you know, just as, a, as an elder statesman, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I won't actually be involved, but he, his own biographer, ostensibly his own supporter, gives examples of how he did continue to influence mm-hmm. politics and behind the scenes throughout Trump's four years. Mm-hmm. And then to this day, again, let me reiterate, Garrow's not partisan in this. Mm-hmm. He would naturally support Obama. He says this Biden presidency is arguably Obama's third ghost term and mm. then if the rumors are true that they're thinking about pushing michelle obama forward as a candidate last minute to replace biden that would be another obama term mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know i don't know if, i'm not sure if i that risks overstating the influence of the guy but um we may not just have a psychopath here but like a really skilled political one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um who's fooled a lot of people and in hindsight now you can see why the people who when they woke up to the deception in fact Alex Jones infamously has a documentary called The Obama Deception right and when he snapped out of the hope and change he went all he went quite far and it seems shocking to us in the scale of how much he thinks Obama's a a skilled manipulator and a puppet master, and he's—I thought that's overdoing. He's—you're putting way too much influence. Surely it's think tanks and the spooks mm-hmm. that are pulling Obama's strings. Well, yeah, there's that too. But I think the man has—the fact that he physically stayed in Washington was super. That—that—that mm-hmm. that, that only happened once before because Woodrow Wilson couldn't move at the end of his term in 1918. He was so debilitated. Otherwise, you were expected to leave mm-hmm. because you're not allowed to continue to have influence. You've been voted out. You must leave. But they stayed. Hmm. Um, so they, they, it's relevant. I think this is like, this is still power politics. Look at, anecdotes is anecdotal, of course. Look at, you remember what happened when uh, Obama showed up at some event in the White House a, mm-hmm. couple, a couple of years ago, within Joe Biden's term as president, and Joe Biden was all but ignored, and the press and everyone scrummed to shake Obama's hand. Right. And Joe Biden was literally left talking to the curtains. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just his presence is right. influential. Yeah. So now you've got to think, okay, now you have to imagine that he resists the temptation to pull strings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he naturally does, just by being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, getting back to what I was saying earlier on, it's just like the, thing, the reason it annoys me is because it's, it's, you know, it's gaslighting. You're not allowed to uh, draw conclusions from 
the data that you have. You know, you're just the stupid little people who don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, anything you say that we don't like, you know, interferes with our ability to rule, basically, is, um, is, is a conspiracy theory. And it's stupid. And just shut up and read the news, will you? And forget about the rest, you know. Um, so, yeah. And it's such a small thing, although it's a big thing. It's a small thing in the sense that, okay, he may be gay or, and she may be a, a hermaphrodite or whatever. Um, technically, it shouldn't be a problem. But like you said, it would be a problem because neither of them would have been elected. And three weeks and ago, it someone spe- it also speaks to their. It may speak to their their psychological um, their their their, uh, their their eligibility on psychological uh, on, on from a psychological point of view to actually be in any kind of leadership position. You know what I mean. Mm. Just three weeks ago, Obama's chef right. died, drowned in eight feet of water, mm-hmm. shallow, you know, calm water, as the back, <coughs> down the back garden. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if that happened in Trump's side? Yeah. There'd be curtains. Again, He'd be yeah. up under a murder charge. Yeah. Or, you know, conspiracy to cover up or to do something or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, as the kind of meme goes, like, I mean, you know, look at, if you want to know what's actually going on, look at what you're not you're not allowed to talk about you're yeah. not, or, or, or you're, you're criticised or ridiculed for talking about. Of course, that has to be, you have to take that with, you know, within certain limits because like, you can't go too far and think that everything's, like, everything's a conspiracy. But there's, you know, the evidence of your eyes is going to lead you closer to what's actually going on than what you hear in the media about, a, about particular topics, about certain topics. Yeah. And sometimes the... Yeah, sometimes the craziest ideas are not far, they're over the target, mm. you know, especially when they persist. Um, and then little bits of evidence come in later, like this one this week in the New York Post, about, mm-hmm. his, about his, um, his gay leanings, let's say. Yeah. I mean, if that happened three years ago, or if, at the height of the beginning of the rumor, you know, but that's kept quiet. People in the elites, they know, <laughs> they know when to say, yeah. keep their mouths shut, you know? Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, um. We've got, I, had, I know, sorry, someone was complaining that uh, we're not talking about the title topic. We will, we will. What, what title topic? Well, I, I put the Hawaii wildfires. Okay, Hawaii wildfires. It's pretty, pretty simple. Um, Come on, simple. Yeah. Go on. Why, you want to be complicated? Um, it probably is, yeah. It comes down to if... It's the it's Jews. The DEWs, not the JEWs. Oh, the DEWs. Yeah. Don't say Jews. Oh, yeah, because the algorithm won't go. DEW. The D- directed energy weapons. No, I don't think it's directed energy weapons. Um, but did you see the trees? What trees? I know. The trees weren't burned. We've seen that before with other wildfires where people go... There's aerial footage, you know, of the aftermath, mm. and <clears throat> 10 buildings gone. And then uh, across the street, there's a row of trees, mm. still green. Yeah, because they're full of water. Anyway, um, people may not know that, but trees are, have a lot of water in them. So um, that's why they don't burn, because water's, you know, why water's used to put out fires? Well, things with water in them will be much less likely to burn than things that don't have water in them, um, that, are flat, that are more flammable. Um, it depends on. You have to. It. It is simple. 
But it depends on your take on the whole global warming thing. You know, obviously, my take on it is that, as a gen- in a general sense, and this, do you want to read out that email that guy? Do you have it? Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So this is an email we got from some dude. Go ahead. <clears throat> so we're probably in, unusual in that we get not just, you know, fan mail and then hate mail. We get like fan hate mail all at once. So this is a great example of it. Um, I won't give away his, his second name, but it's from, it's from Michael. You guys remind me of the people in the movie Don't Look Up on the topic of global warming. The comet is right there coming at you, but you hem-haw and insist you can't see it. All the while pointing out something might happen to make your ice age come any minute. That's always a possibility, but there is no denying the whistleblowers from Exxon got it dead right in the 70s, validating the, quote, greenhouse effect. Fact, not theory. Then calls us douchebags. Cheers, Michael. And then it goes from the hate, you know. That said, you do get some things right now and then, and I do enjoy listening to what you do have to say now and then. Just figure out that convention does have it right now and then, and change your opinion in the face of facts. To change your opinion in the face of facts is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it could add to your credibility. But no, you guys have a corner on the truth, don't you? And then he signs off, go Kennedy 24, a piece, Michael. Right. So he sounds like a libertarian, basically. Yeah, although he's got a heart, a dollop of. Yeah, well, the libertarian, the he, but liber, libertarian would would probably be more likely to be be there on that. He's not a Trumper. He's not a conservative. Although uh, libertarians have this, have eked out this little space here where they agree with a lot of things the conservatives say, mm-hmm. but they're kind of they still have a bit of the the, the lefty bleeding heart uh, care. Care taste bud, a la, what do you call him? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jonathan Haidt. Uh-huh. Um, so he basically, you know what I mean? They, so he. And they've he, noticed. That's why, says, they've that's noticed why he likes Kennedy. Extreme weather. Yeah, Kennedy's a Democrat, but Democrat, a conservative Democrat. But and he's basically echoing what Kennedy said. He, at least yeah. he's on Kennedy's bandwagon because Kennedy is like a, has been a long term. Kennedy uh, is the same position. Eco yeah. warrior. Yeah. Um, so basically he's conservative. That's why he agrees with most of what we say. Yeah. And if only we would get the global warming thing, then would be. It would be a home run, right? It would be yeah. perfect because yeah. just understand He'd be our biggest fans. He and he wouldn't about, call us douchebags. Right, because he cares about the environment and the, the, the planet and the future and all that kind of stuff. And he thinks that human beings are the cause of all the ills. <clears throat> Anything bad that's happened on the planet is caused by human beings. Well, maybe he doesn't have the guilt complex, but he feels it's worth fighting for. It's worth saving. Yeah. It, it can be saved assuming, by conventional means. Assuming it can be. And that's where we differ. We don't think that, that it can be. Um and then you get into the specifics of Hawaii and Hawaii wildfires and wildfires that have been going on over the past few years in different places around, around mm-hmm. the world, particularly in Europe, for example, uh, over the last couple of summers. Not really this, this well, this, this year in, in Cyprus, Greece, Cyprus. Road. Yeah, uh, road sorry, Greece. not road, road yeah, not, uh, not Cyprus. Um, and as soon as we get into, like, um, we put it, we had an article a couple of the last last show talking about how the wildfires were caused at least in Greece. Let me see if I can look it up here. Wildfires in sorry in roads or in Greece. Um They were caused by arson. Yes. 
at some, something like 90 roads. No, it was actually from this year, right? So roads wildfires caused by arson. Um, this is, and this came out, so it's from the 24th of the 7th, um, which is 24th of, 24th of July. Um, uh, 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 let me just send this to this guy so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, Roosevelt fires caused by arson, say Greek firefighters, after XR blames climate change. XR is... I don't know what XR is. Um, so... Right. We mentioned this last time. Uh, and this was... So this was... This came out pretty much at the same time as the mainstream media was going wild about the fact that these wildfires are evidence of global warming and man-made global warming. And this is why, and, this, and then what do you call him, uh, the UN uh, Guterres guy saying the air is unbreathable, uh, global the, heat, boiling. the heat is into- intolerable, it's global boiling, the future is, uh, you know, is just, it's, 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 a, it's a dust bowl. The, um, the fact that a fire is started by arson isn't disputed by... Well, they don't mention the other it, Neil. side on this. They don't mention it. Well, it's you, all about the. If you look up any kind of open source data, wildfires are 90, 85, 90% started by man made causes anyway. Everyone agrees with that in principle. It, although they just say, look at the flames and go, man made global warming, but they don't, they don't, yes, they don't want to talk about the specific arson, the intention of a particular individual who started but their, their counterpoint when you say, ah, but look, he's been arrested for arson mm-hmm. in that great big wildfire you were blaming on AGW, they then say, well, well, yeah, that's what happens. But the underlying reasons are drought or extreme heat, and that's caused by AGW. That's what's changed. The background. Well, my, my problem is that, is that for the past few weeks, all I've seen, or uh, for a certain period of time over the past few weeks, all I saw was wildfires, wildfires, wildfires. And that was being used to try and convince me of how bad global, man-made global warming was. That, how, how, how neg- so the extent of the negative effect of man-made global warming on the planet was like it's bursting into flames. Take away the fires because they were set by humans, and what do you have? You have heat waves. Are they, are they un? Are they, are they exceptional heat waves? Are they record-breaking heat waves? Maybe in some places, maybe not, in others not. What I'm saying is it's, their, their sales pitch becomes less convincing without yeah. the fires. Mm-hmm. And if the fires are being started by humans, then that's a manipulation. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't, they can't just say, oh, yeah, but they would just say that, of course, fires are started by humans. No, they're not. No, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? And, and it, it's, it's like they're trying to shut you down and tell you to shut up. And like I was saying earlier on, shut up and just believe what the media is put, pushing in front of your face, which is flame, a flaming planet. Mm-hmm. They're, and they're trying to shut you up and not allow you, to, not allow anyone to question whether or not that their whole their whole line on the situation is actually truthful and whether what they want to do about it also is a good idea. The whole debate is supposedly closed. The science is settled. Everybody knows. Shut up and watch the fires and be afraid. And then do not. And so all the things we put in place to deal with this horrible boiling boiling planet situation. You just have to accept. That's not a reasonable debate. It's not, it's not something, it's not a kind of, if that was the nature of a debate between me and another person, I wouldn't um, agree to such a debate. If, that, if those were the terms. 
yeah. you know, or if it was a court case, you know. Imagine this was in court. That that, that fires the way they present the fires uh, in the media to back up their claim of man-made global warming. <clears throat> that would be that that um, that evidence would be inadmissible in a court case. Yeah. So it's a manipulation, and you can't just they can't just kind of dismiss your objections by saying, "Of course, yeah, 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 whatever." But it's the droughts, you know. Uh, which gets us on to gets back to Hawaii and the point being it's for me it's very coincidental that those fires happen in, in Maui in the kind of east western end of Maui Lahina is the old capital of Hawaii exactly yeah. and it's there's a whole thing there that I don't know if we want to get into it, but it's about land and yeah. ownership of land by Native Hawaiians and developers and different people wanting to come in and get to take that land off them to develop it, and they're holding out and they don't want to, and then that's all burned down. I mean, that's that's a conspiracy theory, but it's like opportunistically, it's the evidence. Okay, let me show you something else here. Um, uh, oh, here, um, this is from. And this is from last year, and I have to, have to do a screenshot of it because I need a VPN, VPN to see it. Because um, you're not allowed to look at it if you're not in America. So this is from, and this is from last year. Suspects charged after multiple fires intentionally set on Maui last year. My question is, why aren't we hearing about that? I, why isn't that being raised as a possibility? Yeah, yeah. It would be again if you if there was a. If there's a court case, you know, it might be entered into the kind of, not evidence, but it w- w- would, be, would be talked about as the possibility of, uh, in terms of this is a court case about who caused these fires in Maui. Was it man-made global warming or was it something else? And how much do we have to be concerned about man-made global warming in the context of these fires in Maui? You look at, you bring in a bunch of evidence like this, the fact that there's, from last year, people were, uh, were arrested for setting fires in Maui and we just showed evidence that people were setting almost all the fires and roads that the, that the mainstream media mm. and the WEF and the UN talked about uh, as evidence of, of man-made global warming were set by human beings. Mm. You know, going further and saying, oh, yes, but because dry plop, that's we don't go that far yet. We, we have to establish the fact that yeah. if the, these fires are not directly linked to global warming because they would not have happened yeah. if someone hadn't said them. Now, I'm, what I'm saying here on Maui is that it's very coincidental that in the context of the big media, not just media, but and government agency, international globalist organization, uh, their, their push to convince and terrify the population into believing that, into, into accepting that the world is boiling, the air is unbreathable, um, that, they're, that, that they're on this propaganda offensive. And, and this has happened, like I said, with the Greece wildfires and a, f- and a few other places. And I'm talking about massive, you know, serious heat waves and the colouring of, of of weather maps, deep dark red and uh, into purple. It's a bit coincidental for me that this these Maui wildfires came on the heels of that. Um, and that's not even talking about the possibility that uh, there may be some financial motivation involved on the part of someone some developer or whatever. Well, Black Rock wants to get in there. Who wanted that land, yeah. prime 
real estate that was being held, at least being, well, was being held, owned by Native Hawaiians who were resisting developers coming in to try and buy it up, and now it's all burned down. Mm. Uh, so that's, that would be one motivation. You have means, means, motive, and opportunity, right? Opportunity is that there was a hurricane blowing and the winds Strong came winds. in a particular direction, leeward. That means they came over the mountain. Over the other side down. of the mountain and down. And, and, and if you and just put the fires in the right place, was just going to switch down to the sea. <laughs> right. Which is exactly what happened. They right. said, everyone there said it went from zero to 100 in no right. time. The other thing that's a bit suspicious, Hawaii is famous for its um, early warning system, right. which is so trigger happy that it goes off whenever there's a nuclear t- a possibility uh, a, a of possi- a tsunami there's a missile test in North Korea and like Hawaii freaks out because the alarms go off everywhere you know yeah. they're super sensitive but there's a bit of an anomaly here um, it didn't go off at all nothing now they're saying well it happened so fast we lost communications and stuff well hang on a second really you, you've boasted in the past that it's earthquake proof volcano proof doesn't matter if comms go down People will get a message on their phone or the sirens will go off, something, something, something. If you search in this one for uh, officials have confirmed. <clears throat> yeah, the paragraph at the end there. Officials have confirmed that Hawaii's emergency management records showed no indication that public warning sirens were triggered. Despite what the state describes as the largest integrated outdoor all-hazard public safety warning system in the world. So, yeah, what happened there? Yeah, and probably 100 or I, well over 100 people have died. So at this clearly point, a, 100, yeah. Clearly there was a serious threat to life. And it was um, so fast, people were... It was horrible. But, and you can't activate... Cars, a, they were in the cars trying to leave and they were burned. And you can't um, activate a well-oiled, well-established emergency uh, alert system that has that, has that kind of event as the only purpose for it existing. And it doesn't go off? It smacks of the, bit like, you know, the motorcade and JFK. It smacks of the usual procedures just being suspended briefly, right. if, if that's the theory right. one was going with. Um, the, the, I, I didn't get to read it either because the previous headline you showed about the arson suspects in the Maui fires from last year, um, it's behind a... GDPR, we can't see it in Europe, but I did see the summary introduction of the report and I had the three mugshots of the people and they were, I don't know, don't know the background, maybe they could be anyone, right, just just arsonists, but the description is very specific. They were charged with coordinating the timing of their fires. <coughs> right, and they, they worked together to set off fires, leeward side, on the side of the city that's up the slopes a bit. That's last year. So if someone repeated that, at this, this time, with the winds coming um, in a particular direction because of the hurricane blowing to the south of the islands, yeah, they would have known and it would have swept through. That's, that's how easy that would have been. Right. You don't need DEW weapons for that. Um, exactly. And, and, and admittedly, um, you know, I think anyway, um, Hawaii has had a drought or to a certain extent, has had dry conditions over the past couple of months. Yes, yeah. Um, which makes it makes the opportunity all the, all the better, right, to do it at, at this particular time. And of course, you know, suspending the emergency alert system uh, facilitates a higher death toll, which facilitates greater news coverage and 
you know, sensationalization of the and manipulation of that of of the event to convince people um, of a particular agenda, which is the man-made global warming agenda. And I mean, that's 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 central to it. You know, I mean, if people can't see that, then like like our our what our reader or whatever, our fan, or hater, um, or anybody else who feels the same. If people um, can't see the inherent and at least possible manipulation in the idea of man-made global warming to the exclusion of any other factors which we believe are more, much more significant than human emissions, which is just natural cycles, solar activity, stuff happening just as a function of a natural, um, natural uh, you know, development or progression of, 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 of events within the planet and on the planet and in the solar system. If people can't see the focus on humans being the cause of it and how that is being leveraged and used to push a particular agenda which doesn't seem to be good for humans if you can't see that if that doesn't at least you know set off your kind of spidey sense or your your feeling of listen i feel like i'm being sold something here aggressively and they're really pushing it they're using fear um and manipulation tactics and emotionally loaded statements when i see that happening I, like if someone was doing that, that to me with trying to sell me a car or something, I would take a step back and go, okay, listen, I need to maybe investigate the car a bit more. Or if I can't investigate the car a bit more, then you know what? I'm just going to go look for a different car. You know what I mean? I just don't like your attitude, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that can be coupled with, of course, there has to be other elements, which is a healthy skepticism or a well-informed skepticism, uh, uh, well-informed skepticism of political elite types and globalist organizations that they don't have the best interests of humanity at stake. If you've satisfied yourself that that's more likely to be the case than them actually really having a bleeding heart for humanity and really caring about the little people, then, you know, you're going to fall on the side of, listen, there's something not right about that. The combination of factors, you know, aggressive sales tactic and knowing that the person doesn't really care about you. The aggressive sales tactic is, 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 that's being pushed on people is that we're doing this to try and help you. We care so much about you. We want to save you and the planet you live on so that your children and your grandchildren can have a good place to live. If you don't, if you get the impression that, that the person who's given you this aggressive sales tactic, that that's really not the case, that they don't really care about you, you know what I mean, and you've satisfied yourself that that's probably the case, that they don't care about you, then you can, you can ha- I mean, again, you're not going to have any hard evidence, you're not going to find a hand in the cookie jar, but you're going to come down on one side or the other. And I think at this point, any reasonable person having looked at the situation and having a bit of sense, basically, mm. looking at the global picture, not one particular issue of global warming or droughts or heat waves or whatever, but looking at the overall global situation and, and the nature of the people in positions of power, if you if you can you should be able to satisfy yourself that they probably don't really care about you, and when they say that they're doing it for your for the good of you and your family, it's probably a lie. And you couple that with this aggressive sales tactic to get you to believe that anyway, despite the evidence that you have to go against it. To, 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 but they're trying to aggressively pitch this idea to you that you should believe that we want to do this and that it is caused by humans. The whole package just starts to smell, starts to stink, mm-hmm. and. And you probably shouldn't go along with it, you know. You just hedge your bets and go. Listen, I can't know for sure one way or the other. So what? 
what am I going to go with? Which, what am I going to come down on? Yeah. I think any sensible person would go, there's probably more to this. And again, that's leaving, not even talking about all of the evidence, like I said, the actual scientific evidence and historical evidence that a warming planet or a cooling planet or the planet going through major macro large-scale changes is not uh, directly or primarily linked to human CO2 emissions or other gaseous emissions. That those kind of changes have happened repeatedly throughout human history when there were no such emissions from humans. So why can it not be the same case today? It doesn't mean that we're not in a problem. It doesn't mean that the planet is not going through significant environmental and climactic and weather-related changes. I can accept that because I can, I can see it. I can look around. We publish it. People watch our go to on Sot.net and you, every month we put out our Earth Changes summary video of the kind of crazy, crazy weather and environmental uh, events that are going on around the world every month. Uh, it's crazy. It's, uh, you know, it's a big planet, obviously, but the number and intensity of those events seem to be increasing. So things are changing. But it all comes down to whether or not human beings are the sole, because effectively it's, it's that they're the sole uh, causal factor of it. That's essentially what they're saying. They might add in some stuff, but the whole point is you have to change your lives radically to stop this from happening. It, so on that basis, you would say it may as well be 100% human beings. Yeah, although when you get down to a debate with them, they'll say, no, no, we're only arguing that it's 3% at the margins, but that that is sufficient to tip things totally self. It doesn't make any well, when, sense. When you sit down and have a rational discussion with them, they say, well, we're not actually saying that. It comes across in the media like they're saying it's exclusive review, mm-hmm. 100% your emissions. But in the more nuanced, verified atmospheres of academic discourse, mm-hmm. they say, no, 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 it's just this small percentage, but that can tip the whole thing. But and, it- and, it's in that, and that's a bet they're, they're putting down. They're, right, so and they're putting everything behind it. That's right. so, what's dangerous. So it wouldn't tip if we removed that 3%. It, it seems like it's very precariously balanced in that situation. Super, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, um, and really, can they know that it's so precariously balanced that a 3% margin is going to make all the difference? It's like black and white. That yeah. 3%, if you take that 3% away, it's white. If you add in 3%, it's black. Yeah. Uh, again, we look at historical events, and in case uh, people need to understand, we're coming from a position of having studied, you know, you know, events, major cataclysmic events having occurred in this planet over, you know, the last twelve thousand years. Let's say sea rises, sea drops, glaciation, massive sudden ending, massive of tsunamis, massive wipeout of flora and fauna over and over again, cometary impacts that wiped out right. So civilizations, you know, if you don't have that historical perspective you can't put what's happening today in that in that context uh, and then you're just left with the media i suppose and, and the manipulation so um i know you were speaking anecdotally but you said you know you're never going to find someone with the hand in the cookie jar well mm. there are actually particular examples mm. where the hands were found yeah it's the notorious case of a hardcore climate activist who was um, sentenced to seven and a half years for starting wildfires in california uh, former academic um, herself. This happened in the 90s, actually. Um, I think she was Canadian, but living in California. 
So she finally, 10 years ago, trial, Rebecca Jeanette Rubin. Um, wow, she'd been a fugitive for a decade. Uh, turned herself in at the Canada-Washington border. A radical ecologist, ecological activist who evaded capture for a decade pleaded guilty to conspiracy and arson for her role with an extremist eco-terrorism group believed responsible for setting 20 fires that burned $40 million of property across the U.S. West from 1996 to 2001. Um, not sure if she saw all those seven and a half years in prison, but she better not be let out on this time because she's going to go do it again. <laughs> yeah. She'll kill people. Well, she's an example of someone who believes something so hard that she gets tired of waiting for it to happen and she's going to make it yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, She's going to convince she, she people. She was a, a former wildlife researcher. She's, um, an, exa- she's an example of the, of the kind of radical, you know, extremist Jews or uh, Zionists who... Uh, over the years, on many occasions, have been caught painting swastikas yeah. on Jewish synagogues and and, and their own neighbors' and, houses and, and on on gravestones, Jewish cemeteries, yeah. and stuff like that to show. You see, see and how then, much anti-Semitism is in the country yeah, today. Yeah. But you just did that, so they're I mean, asked in court, "Why on earth?" Well, I wanted to show others that it, it's a problem out there. Right. It's just that other people aren't seeing it. Yeah. So they're an example, and then you, if you take that mindset. And project it up into the, the heads of uh, people in positions of power, the global elite, quote unquote. Um, I think they have a similar idea, a similar. They're in a similar headspace, where it's not that they believe something is going to happen, but rather they want something to happen. There's a slight difference. It's people down below who believe the propaganda, like this woman. And, and the, people, the Jewish people you talked about, who they believe the propaganda, and then they go and mimic what their their higher ups are actually are actually doing. Except you know that they're just the they're the pawns or the, the, the useful idiots. Mm. There are I think I'm pretty sure there are people in positions of power. I or let's say I theorize that there are people in positions of power who have this idea that they it's not that they believe that that the world is going to to burn or the world is going to be destroyed by climate change or whatever necessarily but that they um, they want to create a situation create a society a different society a different a society that's structured in a different way and want people to behave in different ways and therefore they fundamentally of which is they want far less people on the planet maybe and that they and they're therefore to get people to shift like uh, their their the nudge nudge unit right Uh, they, they want to psychologically Manipulate and prime people to um, to change the behavior mm. toward uh, in, in such a way that it, it creates the kind of society that they want to see. They probably have all sorts of ideas about you know a kind of utopia and, and stuff, and it may it may be informed by their awareness or their belief that there are some changes. Like like we just admitted that we're not saying that there aren't major there doesn't that. that that it doesn't look, or it look. We're not saying that it, it's not the case that it looks like there are major environmental changes or planetary changes underway, and the people in position of power may be aware of this and may have some, may have gamed or, um, what do you call it? Um, what's that phrase they use for COVID? Uh, their study, not studies, their. Uh, the games, um, mo- modeling. Their models. Yeah. Their computer models 
tell them that these major environmental changes that are not directly linked to human emissions are in progress and are going to cause serious upsets in the way people live their lives anyway. Hmm. And therefore, they need to get people in a certain mindset or get them to change the way they live their lives and behave in order to better control them in the scenario where major environmental changes cause serious upsets to the way people are able to live their lives. And that's me soft-selling it. I'm talking like about food shortages or water shortages or energy shortages and maybe possibly a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of mortality. Including and also including maybe viruses or whatever released or not released, natural or unnatural, um, so that all of the, these and, and global warming and the, and the hysteria around global warming and pushing people to believe that global warming is caused by humans and we need to do something about it. We need to stop burning fossil fuels. We need to start eating insects, etc., etc., etc. Is is part of their plan to push people into um, a certain mindset that makes them more controllable. Um, in the event of upcoming possible major upheavals to to global society, yeah, or they might just want to kill a lot of people. Who knows? <laughs> Sometimes you know the, they may have decided that there's too many people on the planet. The, ex, the Extinction Rebellion guy Hallam and mm. his followers they, they they come pretty close to articulating it. You know, there's just too many people. There's too many of you. Yeah. Um, there's so just stop oil. It's not just them, though. Activists you can kind of almost forgive for having a radical views. They always have had radical views from from universities to taking to the streets and so on. But it's it's the the amount of those people from the slightly earlier generation who have now socially climbed to positions of authority in academia, in politics, in media, and in business. BlackRock this week announced this is their, their first experiment of this. They've obviously had their fingers in greening the planet and saving the planet, blah, blah, for for some years, I'm sure. But um, they announced this week that the first country, direct contract with the actual government of a specific country, so it's an experimental tack, is to make New Zealand totally carbon neutral by 2030. Um Net zero emissions, what do they mean by that? New Zealand will be run exclusively on solar and wind. Maybe some tidal, it's got lots of coast, right? Mm-hmm. By six years' time, six and a half years' time. I, they, now, it would be uh, ir- there was a grand announcement and it was, the new government was there and apparently Jacinda Ardern had some role to play. Mm. Maybe she made the, the connections between BlackRock it- in New York. But the... The cost of this program to make this happen is $47 billion. Hmm. Half will be put up privately, of which just $2 billion is led in the opening private funding from BlackRock. And then the other half is going to be billed to, to the ta- taxpayers. For their, um, own, for, their own, yeah, for their own enjoyment. Um, you, you, and imagine if you're going down that route and you're, you're, you're locking it in physically. There's no, there's no out. It's either solar wind or whatever. Um, the wind doesn't blow or the sun doesn't shine or, and, and then sorry and in the meantime your actual Destroy situation with, with hot and cold with extreme storms drought and deluge is increasing in its extremities and expressions and the power systems are failing more and more often mm-hmm. the, yeah, uh, I'm like this is uh, they, they must I don't know do they know are they conscious whatever 
the things they're doing are going to produce the opposite effect. They're going to produce what to they're what trying they to say, unless produce. they want to kill people. They're going to produce. The, they only, may well. It's not that, let's not say they're going to, but they may well. There's a distinct possibility that the, what what they want to do in terms of greening the economy may produce the situation that they say will happen if we don't green the economy. Yes. I.e., we'll have no water, no food, no electricity. At the end of it, they'll go. We told you so. No, well, they won't be able to if they've, if they've greened the economy. You know, if they've ton, gone totally to renewables and then it all goes pear-shaped and it's just as bad as what you said was going to happen if we stuck with fossil fuels. Mm. No, it won't be a told you so. It'll be cut their heads off. Like, yeah. It'll be strong parliament and drag them all out and shoot them at dawn. Um, it'll be in, it would be ironic, though, if New Zealand were to become a place where that, where that kind of like green utopia were to be first going to say implemented but um, enforced through one way or another because New Zealand over the past X number of years quite a few years now has been the place the place where people many people uh, in, in, the, in the west let's say and also in the east but particularly in the west have decided was a place of refuge mm. a place to get away from all the madness and all the kind of like you know government overreach and all that kind of stuff that you find in 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 uh, in the first world, in the glo- in the global billion, in the in the golden billion, um, that's where they all went to escape it. And it would be ironic if they became the first candidates for for uh, the trials of uh, of this very much globalist um, green utopia to try and uh, to, to to implement that on a, on a on a on a, in a serious. Yeah. practical way you know like as in okay we're not important anymore oil or gas we're shutting down our oil and gas pipelines if we have any we're shutting down our you know our, all the infrastructure related to fossil fuels and we're new, redirecting new, it to renewables yeah and let's see how it goes <laughs> wish us luck it's mad isn't it? It, it in the archetypal story of Noah these people have the, have the brains in quotes, thus the foresight to see what's coming. And so they build a massive, expensive ark. Mm-hmm. But it sinks. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't. It's like the opposite. They had the foresight. Awesome. Mm-hmm. They had the means, the, 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 the tech and the money, the capital to do something. And the thing they did was the worst thing you should have done for what you already had. The information, the intelligence of what was coming. Well, no, it's a bit of a freaky story. That story of he had a couple of sons on on it, didn't he? He had um, how many? How many humans were on on Noah's Ark? Do you know the story in detail? Shem and yeah, it was only it was only it was males, right? (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong here. Anybody? Noah, wife and two sons. Noah, his wife and two sons. Okay, yeah, right. So there's a problem there, right? No one his wife are beyond childbearing age, right? Mm-hmm. Or his wife's beyond childbearing age. He didn't get two sons. Uh, so he just went for animals, mm-hmm. right? Two of each. Was it, yeah. Was there no humans to save as well, to repopulate uh, the planet, whatever? You know, but it's, it's, like, it's like some, you know, deranged, dictatorial kind of person, like a, a, a their, their deranged utopia of, you know, just me and my family, you know? And all other people gone, and me starting again, and just plants and animals, you know. In that sense, like wipe them all out, and 
today's climate changes are kind of as as Noah, you know. Yeah, they would like to do that. Yeah. Just reduce the human population and have a green utopia and we'd let the animals come back and thrive. Yeah, bring on the floods, bring on the global catastrophe, wipe all the humans out. We'll keep some animals and restart and it'll just be me and the animals. Back in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, and I'll eat plants. Uh, did I, I send you a link there, Scotty, did I? Just, just toss, toss it up there. No? Thought it did. Um, this just probably, yeah, you talked about like people in oh, academia and, uh, <clears throat> um, oh, I saw listen, that. Yeah, haven't listened to this dude. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is just the human engineering. I think that with this capacity, with, with this ability to synthesize human be- uh, genome, we can actually do a lot of things. There's actually a lot of opportunities for this to solve big world problems. So uh, one thing is the climate change. And the climate there, change. Uh, I'll just use, um, you know, sort of climate change is a really big problem. We don't really know how to solve it. But it turns out that we can use human engineering to help us address climate change. So I'll give two examples. So one is that uh, people eat too much meat, right? And if they were to cut down on their consumption on meat, then they would, uh, it would actually really help the planet. Uh, but people are not willing to give up meat. Yeah, you know, some people will be willing to, but other people, they may be willing to, but they sort of, they have a weakness of will. They say, wow, this, this steak is just too juicy. I can't do it. I'm one of those, by the way. So, you know, but so here's the thought, right? So it turns out that we know a lot about, so there, we have these, intolerance to, uh, so I, for example, I have milk intolerance. I'm, uh, and there, some people are intolerant to crayfish. So possibly we can use hu- human engineering to make it the case that we're intolerant to certain kinds of meat, to certain kinds of bovine, uh, bovine proteins. And there's actually analogs of this in life. There's this thing called the long star tick, where if it bites you, you will become allergic to meat. Uh, I can sort of describe the mechanism. So that's something that we can do through human engineering. We can kind of possibly address really big world problems through human engineering. In mass of the human genome, like, I mean, who's a, who wouldn't want to get on board with that? Do you know what I mean? To like, and I mean, it's interesting how, how he flips it on his head, you know? I mean, he, uh, he and I obviously come from totally different realities, different worlds, different mm. conceptions of, of themselves and, how, and their place in the world. He said that it would be a weakness of will. Essentially, what he's saying is that it's a weakness of will among anybody who wouldn't uh, submit themselves to, to, some, to some bioethicist um, changing their genome effectively, changing their genetics in some way, so that they could no longer eat meat, would no longer want to eat meat. So that for him, that's a weakness of will if you don't submit to that. Whereas from my perspective, it's actually a weakness of will if you do submit to that. Uh-huh. Because you're, I mean, you're an individual. You have, you know, you have um, sovereignty uh, and, and absolute rights over your own body, and and you know what you do in the world, basically, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As long as, you know, you abide by the laws, let's say. Uh, but he seems to think that uh, it's only weak-willed people who have that perspective, who, who think that, you know, they're, they're the ones who decide what's good and what's not good for them, and they're not going to, you know, just follow the follow the dictates of, of authorities or the, the general, the, the yeah. current thing type thing? Well, no, no, it's, it's a moral argument. He suggests, because it's already, in his world, it's already a precept, a moral precept, that one ought to stop 
eating red meat. Mm. And you know this is true because everyone around us, friends, family, neighbours, all it's on either on their mind or it's been articulated into action. Mm. I have family members all over the place, and they they're turning vegetarian. And in, there are different reasons given. Some of them just say, "I, I I've just gone off it," and that and might be might be related to what he said. Actually, the, mm. the spread of ticks. Others say it's to save the planet. Others say I can't afford it. I'll tell you another. But reason. it's the it's another reason. It's it pro- has begun. But there's a moral precept going out there, it's, and so but, but that's a and, and you can the struggle is taking place in the back of their mind. It's like. I really would love, like he said, a juicy steak, but I ought not to so morally. Okay, so it's a mo- so oh, I so must he, will myself. So he's misrepre- to be moral. So he's misrepresenting and misrepresenting it in the sense that it's a weakness of it's a weak weak morality, not a weakness of well, will. Th- th- these people ditch God, and now they have science as God, and so the science says so science and meat moral- causes so global warming, is which thing. is breaking down our homeland, our planet, uh, a home environment. Therefore. To have a f- to pass on a future to our offspring, we must apply will so morally. It's a, so it's a weakness of will to not believe what they say, essentially. Yes, because science is God. Because you should just believe what they say. Yeah, science is right. God. Well, I'll tell you another reason why people are going. A lot of people you may know uh, are going vegetarian is because you said, like you know, you seem to suggest that you know. Well, maybe that probably not ticks. I don't think that's a, a major thing right now, anyway. But it's all. Oh, I got something for that. Well, before we get on to it, yeah. but it's other or other people um, have decided that they don't like it, or maybe they're doing it for the you know moral reasons, for like it's good for the planet or whatever. Uh, but I think a lot of people who kind of go vegetarian, who weren't vegetarian before, start to lean towards vegetarianism, don't really know why they're doing it. They make up with a narrative as to why they do it after the fact. But in the the reason. The reason they are tending toward vegetar- towards vegetarianism is because of the incessant propaganda they're subject subjected to passively all the time from media. But I think there are real so, so the definition effects as well of a weak-minded and therefore weak-willed person is someone who passively and unconsciously absorbs information and then acts on it without knowing why they're acting on it, but can come up with a narrative after the fact. That's weak-willed. Yeah. So it's the opposite of what he's saying. So the people who would engage in what he's suggesting or who would submit themselves to what he's suggesting are, are, are supremely weak-willed. It's not the, and the people who would resist it are the ones who have a strong will. It's exactly the opposite of what he said. Yeah. This is not just happening, though, at the level of pure information and propaganda. So this is from the Scientific American last week, actually. Um, the... WEF bioethicist just mentioned it actually in passing. Red meat allergy caused by tick bite is spreading and nearly half of doctors don't know about it. The bite of the Lone Star tick, now that's native to North America, but there are ticks everywhere, of course, who have a, that have a similar effect. It's really creepy what this happens here. Just one bite from this thing, if it goes, goes into undetected, that's what they're talking about doctors not being able to figure it out. Lyme disease, they know about at this point. They mm-hmm. accept. They used to say it's all in the mind. It's all mm-hmm. psychological. Mm-hmm. Now they accept actually it's probably spread by ticks. Um, and if, it, if it's not caught in time and treated with antibiotics, it becomes endemic. And it will change. This, this one's bizarre. Um, I don't remember. I'll just, I'll just describe. People should check out the article. Though. It's very interesting. Well, it's, it does a very specific thing to your genetics. It um, it causes you to um, become allergic to a specific protein of, of uh, meat, uh, specifically bovine or pork, beef or pork. 
Um, I think that has, and it goes on to describe how the estimates, they think the numbers are exploding. Um, that there's probably something like in the United States alone about half a million cases. That's, and I think that I'm betting that's a low-ball conservative estimate. I think this has been going on in the background, tweaking at an actual physical level. Now, do you think that tech came out of Fort Detrick? Well, this is it. If you, I did a little bit of searching before I came online. I couldn't find anything concrete. But what are the medications that that it makes you some medications allergic to as well? Uh, to red what meat. Are, what are the medications that it makes you allergic to? The tick bite. I don't know about that, but it, search it, for medications. It, it it makes you specifically it. Um, and so, one. right, okay. Next one. Any more? No. Um, they don't go on. It's just more about the... Well, it'd be thing. interesting to know what medications it makes you allergic to. Like anti- some antibiotics, maybe? <laughs> mm. um, but this... So this tick, what? Now, remember, in their worldview, all of this is Darwinian random evolution. This just happened to randomly come along and sync with the propaganda push from the top. Don't eat red meat, don't eat red meat. And then there's something working through the population that's tweaking their fucking DNA so that they have a, that there's a specific protein in red meat that you physically become sick to and you, you can tell right away and that's it for you. I know people like that. They didn't come into this ideologically. They said, "I just cannot eat red meat anymore." And so, anyway, maybe, so maybe there's maybe there's evolution in a certain sense, or adaptation, some adaptation in the sense of the biochemical so starts many, to match the information. Well, so many vegans, and by eating a vegan diet for their whole lives, maybe you know, change in some way their own genetics, especially if it's multi generational, and then a tick bites that person. Sucks her blood, and then transfers that blood to a meat eater, who then gets the, the, the mutations. So maybe it's vegans. Vegans are trying to kill us, or at least trying to stop us eating meat. <clears throat> well, um, it won't surprise you to learn that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is are making funding ticks. research into how to control cattle ticks through biotechnology. This is ostensibly to save the amount of wasted cattle each year by finding ways to uh, coming up with drugs. It's kind of scary because in the description, if you scroll down a bit, the second paragraph, um, 14th month award funds a feasibility project this is from several years ago, so who knows where it's at now, um, to determine if a particular drug's um, technology can be used to control the disease-spreading cattle blue tick. Um, look, look how they frame it. It's friendly technology to manage, manage the devastating fall, any worm, crop pest, and the mosquito species that transmit Zika, dengue, and other diseases. You, you've got to take a leap of faith here and accept the premise which is being offered to you that entities like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are conducting research on ticks and mosquitoes to make the world better 
to mm. make humans better. Mm-hmm. But see, that's people have to understand. Anybody's listening to this show, and anybody, anybody who knew who listens to this show, you have to understand where we're coming from. Underpinning all of our our take on everything, and I suppose it goes to the foundation of conspiracy theorists and all that kind of stuff, and how the media sees conspiracy theorists and why they the conspiracy theorists have been criticised and why the CIA came up with the term conspiracy theory back in the back in the day to push back against anybody who questioned authority, anybody who had a suspicious attitude towards authority, anybody who thought that uh, the authorities fundamentally did not have the best interests of the population in, in mind. And that not all the time, not everything they did was, was, was to that end, but whenever you saw, whenever you see uh, you know, something that is being pushed by authorities um, that directly attempts to change the way people live their lives and how they, you know, their diet or their social interactions or, or what they, you know, how, how they perceive the world and, and does it aggressively, that that is not for the benefit of human beings. Of course, there's people on the other side, and that's the mainstream media's take, is that authorities are benevolent and everything they do of that nature is for your own benefit. Everything they do that, that nudges you or encourages you or you know, puts pressure on you to change is ultimately for your own benefit. You don't understand what's, in your, what's, what's uh, for your own benefit, really. You don't understand the bigger picture and how the whole world works and all the big issues that are at play and how things are going bad and how the planet's going to destroy us and how we're destroying the planet. It's way too big for you. So you need to just do what we say because ultimately we are, our, our fundamental motivation is to help you. Uh, there's people who believe that and there's people who say, you know what? The evidence for me suggests the opposite, if anything. The more you people do to try to fix things, the worse you right. make things. Right. Vaccines. Yeah. And I mean, you just have to, you look at, if you think of people in positions of power, p- people in, 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 in authority, global authority, major, major country, you know, politicians in major countries are leaders or whoever, or even people behind the scenes, whatever. If you look at what they've done, like, I mean, I mean, how can you, how could you ascribe um, benevolent intentions or, or how could you suggest someone like uh, the Bush government or the Blair government in 2003 that that was staffed by benevolent people when they consciously lied to the population to start a war and invade a country and kill hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people? How can you, what kind of mental gymnastics do you need to do to conclude that if you have to, you have to make a, a judgment call that you would fall on the side of, well, they're actually good people. You know, someone who consciously lie about war and, and, know what war, and them knowing what war invo- involves, the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Iraqis, the deaths of... Or know, tens- 20 years later, millions of migrants from right. the war zones right. coming that's into one, Europe. That's just one example. Uh, coming anywhere. Yeah, Europe and North America. Yeah. And you could say, well, they weren't doing it to kill people because they're not cold-blooded psychopaths or whatever. They were just doing it for, at the very least, you have to accept that they were doing it for geopolitical reasons, which ultimately was personal profit reasons. And that they hold human life, as a result, they hold human life in, in very, you know, in, in low esteem or with, uh, they hold, give very little value to human life. Um that they can easily start a war knowing that it will kill hundreds of thousands of innocent people. And try and imagine, try and convince yourself that someone like that has a well-oriented moral compass 
and that they actually care about people. But just in this instance, they decided that, you know, it was a difficult decision, but or even though, even before the Iraq war, the sanctions in Iraq, the sanctions, the 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 food for or oil for food for oil program and medicines for half a million Iraqi children died as a result of the West preventing essential medicines getting to Iraq. Someone who consciously made that decision, knowing that, certainly they would have known that it's very likely to kill large numbers, hundreds of thousands of Iraqi, innocent Iraqi children. Now that same person is now today standing in front of you telling you, listen, these major changes that I need you to make, that we're going to make in society, are for your own benefit, because we fundamentally care about every human life. Or COVID. Lockdowns, forced vaccinations, because even if it saves one life, it's worth it. The same people, the same grouping of people behind the scenes in in the British government and the American government who happily implemented policies that killed half a million Iraqi children are now telling you to lock yourself in your house because it's important, even if it only saves one life. And not only any life, but an elderly life. That 80-year-old man with liver, who's on dialysis, with heart issues and a life expectancy of about two years, even if it saves his life and gives him those two years that he's got left, it's worth it for us to manipulate and terrify and coerce the entire population to be locked in their houses. I don't know. I mean, that perspective just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I, I try to come at it from a, as neutral po- as possible a position. You know what I mean? Look at it and say, let me just look at what you're saying as if I'm some kind of anthropologist outside looking at human beings and how, they're, and how their different perspectives line up and stuff. I look at that and go, it just, it's not consistent. You're not being logical. You're not making any sense. You know, it, it, it's contradictory, and yet that's what we're meant to believe. That's that's the that's the that's the approach we're meant to go with. Uh, contradictory thinking. You know, black is white, up is down, war is peace. Yeah. So th- the reason I'm saying all that is is that just so people know, our perspective for a long time now is that the people in, we have enough evidence, our own judicious assessment of it over the last 20-some years is that the people in positions of power on this planet and they continue on through from one administration to the next are not well-intentioned towards the human population. They can carry on and do the little things here and there and and play their power games or whatever and play geopolitics and stuff, but when they start to try and implement and coerce and manipulate and force people to make major changes to their lives, like stop eating meat or get an injection so you don't want to eat meat or start eating bugs or, you know... Um, you know, uh, stop using fossil fuels, um, et cetera, et cetera, that the motive behind that is not, is not positive. And therefore, just on a judgment call, I'm not going to go along with it. I'm not doing it. And it's not about saving the planet. It's not about saving people, and it's not about saving the planet. It's unlikely to be about saving people. It's unlikely to be about saving the planet. I don't know what their intent is, but I'm going to hold back and not throw my lot in with them until I can watch and see where it goes because I suspect that it's not going in, the, in, a good, in a good direction. That doesn't, seem, that doesn't seem like a crazy perspective to take to me. It's, like, it's almost like the, the, the fundamentals, the kind of 101 of living your life. That, that's projecting it up into observing the, the global 
structures and hierarchy and how they how they how they're working and, and the policies they're implementing. But you can easily you should it's the way you should approach one to one human interactions. You know what I mean? Like I used I don't know if this show or previous shows have used the idea of a car salesman, right? You know what I mean? You go to a car salesman, he's really pushing it, he's really trying to like, you know, sell you this car and tell you this, and you see the scratch, he's saying, oh no, that's fine, that, uh, no, there was, there was no accident. You know, it's all sorts of different problems that seem to like, look like with the car there's intimations that there's something wrong with the car, and he's giving you all this bullshit, you know? I mean, that's not strange, like the people would go, I don't know, maybe you're trying to sell me a lemon here and just get money. You're just doing it for your own interest. You know, you're, you're just trying to sell me a lemon and once I go and take the car, it'll break down and you keep the money and that's it, right? It's like, it's like saying to me, if, if I took that approach with a, with a used car salesman, that I'm a conspiracy theorist. You can accuse me, you can condemn me for being a conspiracy theorist because I think the used car salesman is going to, uh, it, it might, be, might screw me over. So why can't I apply that to, people in positions of power who effectively are kind of like glorified used car salesmen, <laughs> politicians, you know what I mean? Why can't I apply the same logic? You, why do you, I you can because you see them as that, but, but peop, most people don't. But why don't people see them as that when you have all of this evidence? Because they don't look they're, at the evidence. they're fooled by the arcane language that projects an aura of all-knowingness and certainty and absolute, we have the facts. Yeah. Fauci, I am the science, yeah. you know. It, it's that conviction projected out and it's just bamboozles most people but on any of these people if you look into their history you can find evidence that if you look into their history but you have to have a doubt first right so what's missing is if you have a a, a misapplied sense of faith in it then there's no so it's like walking into the Amazon jungle and thinking the Amazon jungle's wonderful I'm just going to go in in my underwear and spend a few weeks lying on the floor you know the pixies will come along and wash me every day you know it's like it's like (laughs) And I'll just eat some mushrooms and, and stuff and I'll talk to the animals and stuff and, and it'll be fine. And your first night there, you're like, you know, devoured by a crocodile or whatever. Um, and you learn the hard way. I mean, really, I mean, what world do those people live in? They live, they live in an ultra safe world in a global archipelago of globalist entities. They don't live in countries anymore. Most of these people don't have. They just, they go from one place to the next within a... It's all homogenous. It's all safe. It's all electric scooters and Wi-Fi. Right. Sanitized. Sanitized. So it's, it, any intimations of, of unsafety, of jungleness, have been bleached. Yeah. That's not actually true. They know themselves that they, when they step out onto the street, they could be mugged. So they are actually keeping some semblance of self-protection and self-awareness. Yeah. But much of the, the, the cortex, the front part of the brain is just it's just um, utterly pass- pacified with safety, safety. And, of course, they grow attached to that safety. It becomes normal to them. So when the government hits them with the safety values, safety, this is all for your safety, 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 they value, they, in, they will naturally, in quotes, value that over liberty. It's easier as well, right? I mean, from a homeostasis point of view, we don't have to do anything. You have to worry about anything. You're going to pick you're going to choose to believe that everything is fine. Path, path of least resistance has been made for them, yeah. Yeah. And they just go with the flow. Yeah. No, I just said that because it struck me that everything we're saying, all of our takes here on these things are informed by something. And we haven't maybe been explicit about what it's informed by. 
the, the, the foundation on which, you know, mm. our, our, our worldview, if you know what I mean, and what it's, what, what, where, where that perspective comes from and why we have that perspective and the evidence for that perspective, you know, because we, we can talk about all these things and we talk about them as if it's like, as if it would be, it would be natural for anybody listening to, to agree with us. But it's not depending on your broad worldview, you know, what you're standing on, your, you know, where you're looking, what you see, you know. Because um, there are people listening to the show who, like, are, see the world in a very different way and they're going, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, no evidence for that, no evidence for that, no evidence for that, no evidence for that. And there isn't if, you, if you're not looking, you know, or if you see the world in, from a very, yeah, like, you, like we're saying, sanitized uh, point of view where the, the authorities take care of everything, they're well intended towards us, they're just trying to do our best. Things might be difficult right now, but the powers that be and the scientists and the science is all really, and we can help, we're, we're the supporting crew, we can clap, we can go out every Thursday evening at six o'clock and clap for the NHS, clap for the science. They'll clap be clapping for the, for the climate soon. Clap, clap, clap for the climate or clap for the climate scientists. Yeah. Uh, clap for the the wind turbine makers and the, and the Chinese solar panel makers. You say you're not going to go along with it, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they've got next. I mean, they came pretty close to f- forcing, like they articulated a number of times. We're about to start pinning you down and making you take the shot. They mm. pulled away from the brink just before because of geopolitics intervened uh, Russia's mm. invasion of Ukraine. But uh, they'll be back, and they have stuff lined up for the planet or else. <laughs> you can sit on the sideline as much as you can, but it's going to get – this place is going to get – ironically, it's like uh, Guterres sort of pre-announced. It's going to become unbearable to live in this place, I think, psychologically more than anything. But because they'll have caused it, not because it's objectively happening, they're going to make it unbearable for you. No, no, they're going to try. They'll try. They'll try. Depends what. Depends what. Unbearable the, only, the question is, is <clears throat> the perennial question: When do people? When does that just? One man's unbearable is another man's adventure, or challenge, or having a laugh. <laughs> yeah. um, Go on, do your UFOs. Ah, uh, a bit late for that. I want to ask first: Did did France? Quietly bomb Niger this week? No, no. Um, I have a, a few discreet reports says they did. They kept that on the QT. Uh, <coughs> according to the junta, junta that uh, overthrew the government in Niger, they did. Um, Niger coup leaders accused French forces of destabilizing country. They say French forces freed, captured terrorists and breached airspace ban. Maybe not bombed then, mm. as France denies all allegations. Um, they've accused the French of freeing captured terrorists and breaching a ban of the country's airspace in an attempt to stabilize Niger. Soldiers from the country's blah, blah, blah. They seize power. Um, right there. In a video address on Wednesday, the coup leader spokesman claimed France had released 16 terrorist elements 
who had then gathered to plan an attack on the Nigerian military positions in areas along the border with where, I'm not sure, but um, he claimed that a unit of the National Guard was attacked at dawn, ah, about 30 kilometers away from a gold mine. That's got nothing to do with it, Neil. Um, gold mine. They just love the Nigerian people. They don't want gold. Francis, <laughs> France's Ministry for Europe and Foreign Affairs rejected the accusations and <laughs> said its aircraft movements were part of an earlier agreement with the Nigerian forces. Yeah, like before the coup happened, that doesn't count. Well, it said <laughs> French troops stationed in Niger were there at the request of the, of legitimate, the legitimate authorities, <laughs> which they're hanging their hat on. And you notice that the, there's a bit of a back and forth as to whether Washington will declare this a coup. This brings him back to 2011 and Egypt. They were unsure whether to declare the... Um, I think it was the, the, the let's say let's call the first one a genuine democratic revolution for for argument's sake the mm-hmm. Arab Spring and was maybe in 2012 the year after that there was a counter coup where the elite military elite mostly that brought mm-hmm. the current leader forget his name mm-hmm. uh, back into power and Washington was like oh do we call this a coup or not the reason they quibble over this is because once they do military aid connections funding and actual material must stop. Mm-hmm. But I think they don't want to call this a coup, even though they know it's a coup and they're against it, vehemently against it to the point of saying to France, go on, do something about it. Um, they don't want it because they need the material to keep flowing in mm-hmm. to people who are still loyal mm-hmm. to them, not least some of these freed, no doubt, jihadi ISIS types. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds... Again, Westerners would have no context for that if they weren't following it. This is not the first time. Right. The first thing that happens in Operation Take Back a Country under our neocolonialist globalist control is release the prisoners. Yes. This is exactly what happened in Libya. The first thing that went before it all went tits up there was mm-hmm. ISIS types were, Al-Qaeda mm-hmm. types then, were freed from uh, prisons in Benghazi. Yeah. Um, so... It'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting to see if the um, the other allies who are ideologically aligned with the new regime in Niger support them if they walk the walk. Well, the King of Faso. Oh, the other. Okay. Yeah. First of all, you need the Wagner can do so much, but they're not going to have. It's not going to be a grand Russian no. counter alliance counter force. Um, you need Burkina Faso. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he's on board. The guy with the red beret, mm-hmm. world's youngest leader, um, and Mali as well. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it, the potential for mayhem here is off the charts because those three countries are majority Muslim. Nigeria, which is has positioned itself on pro Washington, prepared it seems to lead the force of invasion to save the legitimate authorities in Niger. Nigeria, I think it's, it's like split down the middle. It's a massive population, quarter of a billion people, and it's half Muslim in the north, closer to these countries. Nigeria. Niger, Nigeria, and then half Christian. Mm-hmm. And the potential for like this to go full ISIS, civil war, slash religious fratricide is off the charts. So mm. We'll see. Um. 
What do you think of... Uh, <laughs> oh, aliens. Well, uh, maybe not... Uh, that's too much. You know what do you call her? It's, um, it's Tiffany Gomez. Uh, Tiffany Gomez. No. The, Tiffany Gomez, the girl on the plane. You're not oh, real. Oh, yeah, she's been doxxed, the poor thing. Yeah. No, her she, name and her address. And well, actually, that's been out for couple of weeks um, but this is a bit more footage of her after she got back off the plane and uh, was in the Where's your foot? Dead serious. Don't just don't, some, yeah, don't let the plane hear. leave. Said, I'm never flying. I'm flying with you people again. And don't let that plane leave. I'm being serious. Don't let that plane leave. I want to know what happened to this plane. This plane right here. And don't let that plane leave. I'm being serious. Don't let that plane leave. Something freaked her out. You know, she has no history. It doesn't seem she has, she has any history of being like you know acting out hysterically yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And something with that dude uh, on <laughs> the dude that she was sitting beside because. It obviously wasn't about... Some people are saying it was about AirPods. Somebody stole her AirPods or something like that. But it obviously... Something else freaked no. her out. And this is assuming that she's not, you know, bipolar or crazy or whatever. Which I don't think she is. There's no evidence that she is or there's any history of that. And something just freaked her out in that plane. And it seems to be the guy that she was sitting beside... For, uh, uh, Did something psychically, got into her head. Well, freaked her, freaked her out in some way and made her think that he was going to... He was up to no good and he was going to be, you know... And then really convinced her, you know. And... <laughs> people are putting there's a check this out uh, <laughs> this is what some people are saying about <laughs> lizard person gives harrowing account of being harassed online <laughs> and then they have a picture of her right? um, it, it, yeah in in in, meme, in memes very in memo veritas so Possibly, yeah, it's, or something it, approaching Veritas. What I find interesting about that is that that there's been so many vi- there are so many videos over the, you know forever of people doing crazy shit on airplanes, freaking out, fighting, shouting, screaming, wanting to Panic get off, wanting to get off. But this one video, and because of what she said, maybe that that guy back there is not real. Mm. <clears throat> maybe it was that I don't know. But there's something about this that made this. Got, it rang this, true this. for people. I don't know, but in what way? Rang, what way rang true? I don't know. There's something about it that pinged I mean. with them that makes... I wouldn't even say that it rang true, but there's something even more subtle about it. I don't know that some... Whatever the cause is that made this become such a... I mean, her People didn't just dismiss it, oh, as another crazy woman. Yeah. They they took it seriously. Yeah, because... Why? Yeah. Strange. Very strange. Anyway, um... Yeah, I've been reading a book, um, the alien thing. It's like you said when we discussed it briefly, the recent hearings, the whistleblower David Grush, you know, for for us who have been reading about this since the 90s, it's like we're bored to tears. It's like, uh, and I, I think I figured out why it does, because we're way beyond the debate as to whether it's real. The debate now, the, auth- the question that ought to be asked is, <clears throat> I mean, the f- overwhelming evidence of interaction of something, there's some phenomenon for sure, okay? 
the question really is, what are they doing here? What do they want with us? Mm. And it's, you know, we're going, to go through, we're going to go through another, like, decade of, is it real? Like, really? Come mm. on. Anyway, I've been reading this book that was, blew me away because it's so detailed and it's so old. It's 1998, mm-hmm. The Threat by David Jacobs. Um, and this guy was a historian, academic, maybe a teacher at a college. And he, I don't know how he came across the topic. Totally by accident. He says he never set out to study this, but it, maybe he had an interest in the official reports of sightings, you know, over military installations, blah, blah, blah. But he moved quickly from sightings to interest in abductions because he's like, well, what's this about? Okay. Um, the image people have in their head is usually of the earlier abductions, the, the Betty and Barney Hill case, um, where in broad daylight, they have conscious recall of something that happened to them. They're driving the car down a deserted road, strange light, craft, they're in it, maybe a bit of missing time, but they have memory of a craft, and then they're back on the country road in their car. That's the classical one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this guy got realized that there were people in the 90s, in his contemporary, in his time, who were having odd things happen to him. And he got into it in a big way as a researcher, but then he actually became a hands-on researcher by learning, uh, reading about, and then learning himself how to do regressive hypnosis Mm -hmm. to figure out from people's subconscious recall what may have happened to them during strange events. Mm. He ended up with a huge, a huge body of data, which he then, uh, from something, he whittled it down to, he did like 700, either in individual people or individual regressions. Because in some people, there were multiple, multiple regressions. They'd have to come back for sessions. And he would be doing it because he would be testing. He, he's, he's so rigorous about his research. He was like, weed out all the stuff that could be false memories, that could be, screen stuff that could be imagination. And he also, he has very good critical knowledge of the others in this field who've done similar stuff. He names, for example, um, Mac, Jonathan Mac. He was the famous Harvard psychologist who ended up doing uh, interviews of people. And he also took up uh, hypnosis as a means of asking people. And he criticized Mac Bless him, he was killed tragically in 2002. He did great work in his own field, but on the hypnosis thing, he was like, Jacob says, look at how he went about asking questions. He would be leading. Mm -hmm. You know, they took the psychological stance that just let the person speak freely. Whatever comes to mind, oh yeah, and what do they say then? You know, whereas Jacob's is like, hang on, it's not as simple as let them just unleash you know, talk it out, whatever they want, and then the trauma mm-hmm. will go away. He realized that there's, there's confusion mm-hmm. built into the process. And mm-hmm. so you have to test the subject and structure the questions a certain way. Anyway, he ended up with an amazing body of statistical data where the themes that came up, the things that people experienced, the number of repetitions that would happen to them over the course of their lives. Um, he just... Basically, imagine, imagine you're a ufologist. You take this seriously. You want to be taken seriously by others too, your fellow researchers. But you spend your entire life looking at, from, as Jacob says, from the outside in. Mm-hmm. You're studying the sightings, the, the radar, 
the video footage, the photographs, whatever, always from the outside in, and you're trying to get a picture and understanding of what's going on. He's like, that's not where the answers lie. It's the abductees. Long story short, they come up with him and Bud Hopkins, who's another great researcher on this. They teamed up towards the end of the 90s, and they, this book was a product of it, The Threat. Um, they hired a company or was the, um, a particular institution, a university in the U.S. to do a statistical analysis. Based, it's based on a very carefully made survey. And they have come up in, 25 years ago with a ballpark figure that 2% of the American population is abducted on a regular basis throughout their lives. And it's all, often intergenerational. Their kids will be too. Hmm. That's, at the time, that was 5 million people. And that the process was growing, that it was spreading quite, I don't know how fast, but fast. Abductees would be encouraged to hook up with non-abductees um, who would in some way then be uh, attached to the abduction process. Anyway, and, and what is the abduction process? What is all this in aid of? Ultimately, he says, it's a gigantic breeding program in which humans, human, either human DNA or the human body, uh, especially for women, of course, is useful for some kind of breeding program. Now, this is where it gets weird because it's not literally physical. Obviously, human 3D women are not giving birth to aliens or even hybrid human aliens. This is taking place at whatever plane the abductions take place at. The conception the development, the gestation, and then they're so routinely abducted that the fetus is removed after just a few weeks sometimes or a few months. And while, while conscious and awake in 3D, they're aware that they're pregnant. But the moment that they go to have it confirmed or tested, there's something about it that it, it doesn't show up in normal pregnancy tests, for example, but they still feel they're pregnant. You know, they have other symptoms, physiological symptoms. Maybe they get wind of it. Maybe they've talked to Jacobs and they're scared about the whole thing. They've conscious recall. They remember it being terrifying. Most of the time they don't. Most of the time it feels love and light if they do ever remember anything about it. But if they do get an idea of what's been happening to them, they freak out and they want it. They want rid of it. But the moment they go for an abortion, there's nothing. Mm. maybe there's some scarring along the lining of the uterus or something, or there's some evidence, evidence of something. And through the, his multiple hypnosis on specific subjects, they will, they figured out that the, the, the entities will abduct you the moment that there's some sense that you're about to spill the beans. You know what I mean? That you're about to find out. So anyway, this book has this, this, the scale and depth of a phenomenon that it's kind of t it's kind of like it's take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. There's no like um, he he obviously may not have got a whole banana. It's, that was twenty five years ago. I don't know if anyone else has built on that work. Um, I'm still reading the book. It's it's mind blowing. Uh, the, the the level of detail. Um, and the scale and scope of of what they're here for and what they want with us, you know. According to him, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a big topic. That's 
that's that's where the discussion should be. Forget, you know, is it real? For fuck's sake! I mean, they they, they can titillate us endlessly with that. That's, that's safe and harmless. That's safe and harmless for the U.S. government. That's safe and harmless for the phenomenon itself. Mm. If, the if issue is, is that yeah. people know what it's all in aid of, mm-hmm. that it's not for our benefit. A bit like what well, this is the next level up of the discussion we had earlier. Well, it's gaslighting, more gaslighting, really. You know. Mm. Um, yeah, what are the, the the benevolent intentions? But that's the same thing. It doesn't matter who it is. Like it doesn't matter if it's you know a politician, a president, whoever, a government agency, or if it's you know you know some intergalactic agency or some something like that. You know, um, bottom line for me is that you know uh, free will should reign supreme, and there should be no coercion of people towards any fundamentally. Uh, you know, any very any fundamental changes in their lives that are not positive for the people and that course, comes up in the, in the <clears throat> sessions over and over. The, the 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 people involved, like I did not ask for like this is outrageous, you know. Mm-hmm. But they do these mind games on them where they, and sometimes it may be truth to it, where they're like, but multiple generations of your line before you have always been you know you've always you've, uh, how true is that? Is that, is that is that a lie is that a, is that a, a bid for you to believe maybe um, but like it's all all sounds so, so much so much bullshit like i mean i don't know yeah even just on that point like if someone if something or someone or something tells me you know oh you know you're being abducted or whatever because uh, your grandparent your grandmother she didn't complain Dude, is that, is that meant to be an, is that meant to be a, like a solid fucking is that meant to, con, is that meant to convince me uh-huh. you know <laughs> I don't care what my grandmother agreed to you know um, yeah no it's a complicated topic and um, yeah I don't know at some point it'll it'll be appropriate for us to kind of delve into it I suppose but I don't think well the, the guys on Truth Perspective interviewed Jacobs I'm not even sure if he's still alive but they interviewed him in 2016 so he was still alive mm. eight years ago Seven eight years ago, um, people can find it on SOT. I'll put maybe put the link in the uh, in the show description after. I guess he's still out there. No pun intended. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a video show. It was pre podcast days. It was mm. um, just an audio interview. Mm. I, I just should get him back. I, on. I couldn't. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I still, I still can't wrap my head around. He, he was so diligent in his compilation of data, and it shows other things like breakdown by age and stuff. Um, there's, there are certain patterns to it that are, that, that are the way into how he makes deductions. He, he has a super mind. He deduces things carefully. There's no like this isn't um, this isn't ufology with with, with a, sm- a smattering of um, a new age, you know where you take leaps he's only going on what people were describing mm-hmm. and the points where they meet mm-hmm. uh, to create a kind of an architecture a structure of the processes that go on the routines mm-hmm. the pro you know um what was uh, yeah an argument for what might be behind it what might be the origin of it a, a, a consistent narrative basically a cons- that, it has to be consistent yeah, yeah. yeah. and and sometimes the, some of the abductees were like 
so were curious and they recall extended conversations. Those are rare because the greys typically are like, we'll say just the, the minimal. But then there are other taller types, some that are Nordic, human appearing and so on. And they will give extended explanations. Um, and then there are mistakes. You know, this isn't an ubiquitous control system that never has cracks. There are obviously mistakes um, where they give away too much or they lead you through a corridor that you're not supposed to have seen and mm. stuff like that. Again, though, uh, in his methodology, if one person just gives a fantastic description, that's not enough. He'll keep it in mind and he'll, he was filing it away, but it was only when it was corroborated here and else. here and here yeah, that yeah. he mentioned it. Yeah, well, we might get into it at some point, uh, but we'll have to wait and see when the time's ripe. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching, listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And thanks to our chatters for commenting, etc. We'll be back next week with another show. So until then, have a good week. See you later. See y'all. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.